Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evil, and all evildoers, and they will be thrown into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Savior.
Amen. So I want to apologize for any mic uh, mishaps that we had at the beginning. Uh, and I know those of you watching from home probably didn't get a whole lot of, of what I said at the beginning, but hopefully you can hear now. Um, so I apologize for that. Jesus said today, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of God. And then he says, the devil is the one responsible for the weeds. I don't know about you, but for me it's always jarring to hear the word devil when we read scripture. It's difficult to think about a powerful force other than God, who seems to have a whole lot of influence in the world. And sometimes when we look at tragedies around us, it seems like the devil has way too much power. Now, the word for today is intention. Because the most disturbing thing about this gospel reading is that the devil plants the evil weeds intentionally. These weeds are planted by the devil, and they are meant to be evil. They are meant to destroy. That's disconcerting. Sometimes it's true that we have no direct power over the great evils of this world. Most of us don't yield a lot of political power. We don't have a huge influence on events in our society, and sometimes all we have is ourselves. We may not be able to single-handedly stop an evil event, but, but what we do have is our hearts. And what we do have are our intentions. When it comes to the decisions we, decisions we make and in the ways in which we treat others. And sometimes that's all we have. And sometimes that's enough. According to today's parable about the kingdom of heaven, little by little, inch by inch, keeping to the business of growing may be just enough. And all that we can do, just keep to the business of growing. Now, one thing that evil feeds on and expects, actually, is fear. Brother Mark Brown from the Society of St. John the Evangelist says this, In the kingdom of God, fear itself is cast out and love is perfected in us. Jesus tells parables of the kingdom not only to describe the future, but to invite us into that future, even now. Fear is cast out and love is perfected. In other words, it's our business to grow in love. And this is the key to what we hear today. And, and many parables that Jesus tells us have a common theme. Many are about growth. They're about growth and growing. And we are to grow in love. And that means transformation of our hearts. And I talked about this last week. And I talk about it a lot, actually. But we have to hear it over and over and over again. Not only that it's possible that our hearts can be transformed, but God is at work in our hearts, transforming them. So that is what Jesus, following Jesus is all about, right? The transformation of the world by the transformation of our hearts. Now, 
I've, I've told you this story before. I'm not going to go into it too much, but I once had a neighbor who was a big, giant weed. Yeah, I, I feel bad about that. But yet, here I was, living my life as a strong, nourishing stalk of wheat, basking in the sun, entertaining my little plot of earth with the utmost care and privilege. And one day, a big, ugly weed moved in right next door. Totally ruined my plot of land. The weed and I did not get along for reasons that I won't divulge. We exchanged words. We glared at each other. We didn't like sharing adjacent plots of land, and sometimes we intentionally chose to not make things easy for one another, for which I am not proud. My neighbor was a big evil weed. But here's the catch in how we perceive evil. To my neighbor, I was a big, giant, ugly weed, too. What was true is that neither of us were growing in love. And that was a shame. I'm not going to go into the end of the story, but, you know, suffice it to say that we ended up becoming friends, and uh, he has spent a couple of Thanksgivings at my house. So <laughs> uh, things can change, and our hearts can be transformed. But the point is, is that we see other people as weeds, and they see us as weeds as well. So what are you going to do? Oftentimes, we would rather blame and point fingers. We would rather see the defect in the other person or persons than to truly investigate what is going on with us, what is going on in our own hearts. And isn't it our natural reaction to be like the servants in the parable? Hey, Jesus, do you want us to go and pull the weeds? We can do that. That's easy. One of the best pieces of advice I have ever heard preached was, don't worry so much about what God is doing in the lives of others, but start by worrying about what God is doing in your life. In other words, we are to take stock first about what is happening in our own relationship with God. If we just rush to judgment and pull the weeds, how long will it take for the wheat to then get pulled in retaliation? The whole garden will be destroyed. Nothing will grow. And isn't that the vicious, unfortunate cycle that keeps happening over and over and over again in, in, in places that are obvious, like the Middle East, even now, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, back and forth, one bombs Another, the other retaliates and back and forth. Revenge attacks, too innumerable to count over the decades. And here at home, it's the same with our politics. And the thing is that each side views the other side as evil. Each side views the other as a weed invading their good soil. If only that weed was gone. More and more, our politics see the stark division. And we see it with religious denominations, too. We are the wheat. And that one who has a different ideology, that is a weed. Old hatreds, old fights, memories not forgiven, and futures not being created. Not grown out of the love that we are told is what the kingdom of God in the future and in the here and now demands. The back and forth, it just seems like it never will end, and the sad thing is that it probably won't, as long as each side views the other as a weed that needs to be pulled. 
We can get caught up with the idea that evil is planted intentionally, but instead of pointing fingers, we can assess our own intentions. What kinds of evil are we intentionally planting? What power grabs are we initiating? What judgments are we making of others? What powers are we aligning ourselves with out of fear and not love, out of pride and not forgiveness? Eradicating evil is not about revenge because Jesus changes, changes that paradigm it, because it's also in Matthew where Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. In Matthew, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus tells us that we are not the ones to rush to judgment about the weeds. He says that we are not the harvesters. We are to keep growing side by side, and in growing, there is time given for soaking in the light and the UV rays of God's grace on both sides. And God's grace is not ours to measure. Our job is to grow with the intention to keep growing in God's grace. To intentionally love, to intentionally force ourselves, if need be, not to judge the weeds on our own. To force ourselves to sacrifice at times for the well-being of the other. We all know people, or maybe we don't, but I do, I know people in my life who, who didn't know how to say, I love you. My dad was one of those uh, persons. He has since passed away a long time ago, but he didn't know how to say, I love you. I don't think I ever heard him saying it. I knew he loved me with his actions, but he never was able to say, I love you. And I remember in my early 20s, I, I just started, I would talk to him on the phone because I didn't see him that much, and every time I talked to him on the phone, I said, I love you, Dad. I love you. And there'd be silence. Oh, yeah, okay. And then after a while, I just kept saying it over and over and over again until one day I said, okay, bye, Dad, I love you. I love you, babe. And then he started saying I love you every single phone call. It's like we have to give each other permission to say it or to act out of love. We need to give permission because if people hear, I love you, or they see love or experience love over and over and over again, they will also love. On the flip side, if we give permission to hate, they will start hating. And that is what the revenge cycle is doing. It becomes like a, a cyclone that tears everything up in its path. We are the hearts of our cities, our neighborhoods, and our world, asking ourselves how can we intentionally be agents of transformation merely by growing in the light and soil that God provides. A change of heart often goes hand in hand with a change of will. In fact, in ancient, ancient times, will, the word for will and heart is sometimes the same word. 
And if enough intentionally grow in the light of God's grace, we aren't powerless over the evils of the world. We're not powerless to the evils of the world. We just need to keep growing in the light and grace of God. And the more that people do that, and the more that we give permission for people to do that, the world indeed will change. And we can ask ourselves, where does compassion stop for us? We can ask that question first. Does it stop at the border of a country? Does it stop at the gates of our cities and neighborhoods, with friends, with family, or just around our own frozen hearts? Where's that impasse where compassion just goes, "Mm, I've hit an impasse, I can't get around it, can't get through it, can't get under it, can't get over it? We need to ask God for help when we've hit an impasse to our compassion. Do we have love and have compassion for those who share our space, or do we resent them? Do we see revenge, or do we want to just pluck them away? Gosh, that would make life so much easier if we could do that. Hmm. So it is our business to grow in kindness, in gratitude, in humility. That's a tough one. And to love even the weeds, sometimes with a selfless love. And, and, you know, I think that deep down... People believe in the good. People are craving for love and craving to express love. We all just need permission and to know that it all matters and that there's plenty to go around. And we need to stop being right at all costs. That's a tough one, too. Give others the permission to love. That's why, that's why the church is here, actually. It's one reason why the church is here, so that we can give others permission to love and to receive love. So pray for those people whom you know. Even pray for people you don't know, but who, who may be afraid. Chances are they are afraid to love, afraid it is weak, or afraid that love isn't real, or afraid it doesn't exist, or afraid love will ask them to give up something. Most likely, love will ask you to give up something, and that's okay. That's a good thing. Perhaps Brother Curtis from the Society of St. John the Evangelist says it best. He says, underneath the most amazing or appalling behavior of another person is a child of God with whom God plans to spend eternity. That's especially important to remember for those whom we could easily judge as among the least or last or lost. God has plans for them, and we are to cooperate with those plans. Amen.